The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 78, the week of August 6th. Uh, Alex, we're back together again after a few weeks apart. Back together and it feels so good. And and this is a take two, as for those of you uh, paying attention at home, we just recorded this whole show and, and, I, and I messed up the mics. So we get to do it again. Yay. So if the enthusiasm is uh, less than, than you'd expect, that, that could be why. Uh, let's go ahead and go through some housekeeping. Number one, we have a Slack channel. This is a chance for you guys to get together, um, get to know other folks in the Colorado security community. We're over 500 folks strong on there right now, 525 last I checked. It's a lot of people. Uh, it's a good chance for you to get to know folks. We also have a mailing list. So if you check out the website, colorado-security.com, you can sign up for the mailing list. You'll get our show notes and you'll know every time we have a new episode. Uh, we also love it if you would subscribe and rate us on Apple iTunes. Uh, you can also subscribe in the Google Play Store. L- let us know what you think. We'd love to get your positive comments and, of course, reach out to us if there's anything we can do better. And finally, we have a Patreon campaign. So uh, Rob and I uh, run Colorado Equal Security out of our own funds. So you know we're doing this on our own dime. Uh, the Patreon campaign really helps uh, for other folks to give us a little, little bit of money, help fund what we're doing. Um, and at certain levels, uh, like the $10 level, you will get a shout out and uh, on the show and a t-shirt. So this week, uh, John Hubbard, thanks to John who signed up as a new patron. Um, he gets his shout out now. Thank you for supporting us and we will get him his t-shirt. Thank you, John. And, and thanks to the rest of the Patreons as well. We really do appreciate you guys helping us uh, pay for what we're doing here on the show. Let's go ahead and move into the news. Uh, first thing, the Colorado Department of Transportation has taken the first steps to turn I-70 into a connected roadway. Yeah, uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, They're adding some sensors through the mountains on I-70 to help detect when there are traffic problems, weather, other things like that. Alex, they coined a really good phrase. Now They've called it the Internet of Roads. How do you feel about that? You know, that that hurts me. It it hurts me to the core. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, one of the good things that they say in the article is that this is projected to result in an 81% decrease of unimpaired multi-vehicle crashes. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, they've already finished a proof of concept on this. This is actually going out to production by the end of 2018. They expect to have these uh, sensors along the side of the road, and, and they'll have um, telemetry set up to talk to 100 of the CDOT vehicles going up and down the roads. So it's not actually working for private citizens. It is going to um, it is going out to the uh, just to the CDOT vehicles for now. Yeah, uh, it should be really cool. Glad that we're doing that. I like safety. Uh, next, Molson Coors uh, made an announcement that they are working on a deal to create a cannabis-infused beverage in Canada. So for those of you who are hoping, it is not cannabis-infused beer. Um, however, it, it is going to be you know cannabis-infused something. It's going to be up in Canada. They're you know a mostly Colorado company or a significantly Colorado company, so it's worth talking about here. But nothing coming to Colorado anytime soon. Um, next, we have a drone company that's making uh, that's going to be moving here to Denver. It's Propeller Aero, which is a Sydney-based company. They're they're coming to Denver. Basically, what they do is they make drones for construction and mining companies, uh, and they've moved into a, a space here in Denver with about twelve employees. Yeah, and it says that they are looking to grow to between eighty and ninety over the next year. So that is pretty cool. Uh, I think twenty-five of those are going to be here in Denver. So they oh, okay. basically double the Denver headcount. 
Uh, next, we had an article about blockchain's role in transforming real estate transactions. So, um, you know, being working for a mortgage company, um, everyone talks about blockchain, blockchain this and blockchain that. It's going to revolutionize everything. Uh, this particular article was about the the Boulder Discon conference, which is a blockchain uh, conference that just happened. And one of the talks was uh, about a the sale of a house in Arvada that they were taking money um, using uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Um, they they also the, the guys who talked at the conference also talked about um, how they expect efficiencies to be created by blockchain that could shorten the the length of a closing on a house from the current. 30 to 45 days down to as uh, short as a week. Pretty cool. Blockchain is going to save the world. Um, speaking of saving the world, the Girls on Rock, uh, is this is a group that's helping teenage girls from across the country get a chance to come into to Colorado's backcountry, do some backpacking. And the whole goal of it is for them to learn about science. So they do experiments out in the wilderness. Yeah, so I, I think we know that, that STEM is um, a hot topic and pushing women into STEM is even a hotter topic. Uh, so this is a, a camp that gets girls into the outdoors to help them with uh, experience field sciences and other things like that. Yeah, and and they, they in this article also mentioned a couple things. Number one, they mentioned that they are looking for sponsors. So if there's any corporate sponsors out there that want to help keep this program going and thriving, that they, they would love that. They also mentioned that they have some special needs folks as a part of this. So it's not just women. It's trying to you know, open up these things to uh, to folks who otherwise might not have had the opportunity to it. Next, there was an announcement from Zavaro, who you may know as GTRI. They recently changed their name. Uh, they acquired the assets of Aegis Identity Software. So this is a an IAM solution that provides uh, software for the education industry. Yeah, so uh, obviously congratulations to, to Aegis and um, to GTRI folks who we know here in town, Aaron. Uh, it's going to give you uh, some new stuff to go to market with and hopefully get you guys some new customers. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, next, Webroots CEO Mike Potts has been recognized on CRN's uh, annual Top 100 Executive List. So congratulations to Mike and to Webroot for making the list. Yeah, and Mike is a reasonably new CEO over there. Uh, so good to see that things are going well for him. Uh, SecureSet Academy launched the SecureSet Foundation to promote uh, cybersecurity career education. So SecureSet, which we know is a training provider, just started this um this foundation to give scholarships to help diversity in cybersecurity. Very cool stuff. They, they mentioned for now, as they start up, that they're going to have the founders of SecureSet Academy as the leaders of the foundation, but they're looking over the next year to hire in an executive director and some independent board members. So if you're someone who's got a, a passion for education, um, maybe nonprofits, and you care about security, this might be a good opportunity for you to get involved. For sure. Um, next, we have a, a blog post that gives us a chance to talk about some national news, or really global news that, that we might not otherwise get to talk about. Here on the show, generally, we don't talk about news that doesn't impact Colorado, but um, Cisco this week acquired Duo Security for $2.35 billion, um, and, and that's a, a big deal. So we have a, a podcast, or excuse me, a blog this week uh, from Ping Identity's CEO, Andre Durand, talking about what that means. Yeah, so um, first talking about how, you know, it's a great acquisition for Cisco and congratulations to the duo folks, but then also how security and identity have been separate uh, for a long time, like two ships passing in a night. Uh, but really for modern security, you need identity. Yeah. Uh, you know, zero trust networking, other things like that to enable those sorts of things. You have to have identity built into your security tools. And then really to be able to have identity work 
the best, you need to have multi-factor authentication, which is where Duo comes in. Yeah, and so Cisco's obviously been known as a perimeter security company for a very long time. This is giving them the opportunity to to move into the new zero trust world um, and do so with you know a really loved company. I think Duo is generally considered one of the most loved uh, companies in security. So hopefully it, it works out well for both. Hopefully they you know Cisco treats them the right way and and we still have a successful Duo out there. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about this on the Slack channel this week. Um, many people were skeptical that Cisco would be able to maintain Duo in the, the positive light that it is yeah. currently. So, uh, Next, Red Canary had a blog about uh, SANS endpoint survey, too many tools and alerts. So this was by Keith McCammon, who's the, the CISO over there, and just talking about how I think we all know many tools give lots of alerts. You get alert fatigue. Um, it's it's hard to deal with that stuff, and what should we should be doing instead. Yeah, the, the challenge is how do you get 100% coverage across your organization, which I think we can all agree is good, without having a 100% overwhelmed team by all the alerts that come with it, right? Yeah, I, I think traditionally we think, oh, well, there, here's a piece of data. We need to collect this. We need to keep it forever. You know, every single piece of data we can possibly find from every particular system and tool and everything else, we, we got to have all of it so that we right. know exactly what's going on. Yep. Uh, so moving on, we have next a, a blog from ThreatX, another local company, about five negative impacts of misaligned security strategies. And th the gist of this is that there are things out there that will propel you to move really fast with your security program, whether it's a breach or a compliance thing. Um, and as you try and do that, you might move in such a way that you're, you're misaligning your security to the business. You're, you're giving, you know, we're just going to slam this security control and we're just going to lock this thing down. And, and there's some negative impacts of that. Yeah. So you can end up with uh, adverse experiences for prospect or current customers, overwhelmed security teams, siloed data, uh, cumbersome technology, uh, to name a few. Yeah. Well, that, that takes it to the end of our, uh, of our news here. Let's go ahead and move over to the Slack message of the week. Um, so number one, thanks to Andre Gaeta. Andre has been sponsoring us for this for, for quite a while now. We appreciate it. Um, Andre actually just this week announced, or uh, maybe last week announced that he's moved on to a new gig. He's now, I think it's the regional director for sales for, for Mimecast. Awesome. Um, so he's over sales for Colorado and a bunch of other States as well. Um, and you know, obviously he didn't, he didn't ask me to mention this, but I'm sure if you're looking for email security or whatever else Mimecast does, I know they also do security awareness training and some other stuff. Uh, I'm sure he'd love it if you reach out to him about that. So the message this week was from Ruben Booker. So congratulations to Ruben. Um, he had a, a part in a discussion this week on the Slack channel about interviewing um, and topics for interviewing. There it was a whole long discussion on that, and, and Ruben had some uh, good contributions. There was a lot of other folks in there who were who were giving great feedback as well. Um, we just wanted to pick out one of them and, and recognize Ruben for for doing that. Uh, go ahead and move on to our to our calendar of events. As a reminder, on the website colorado-security.com, we do have uh, an event calendar that goes all the way out through the end of the year, showing all the events coming up here um, in the Colorado area. Uh, so first, uh, SecureSet is having their Hacking 101 on AppSec on August 7th. You, um, also on the 7th, we actually have a couple events that aren't on the on the calendar, we've just decided to do an impromptu couple of lunches. So if you're in the downtown area on Tuesday and you want to get together for lunch, um, head out to the Slack channel and send me a note. Um, I'm putting something down together up in the downtown area. We've got six RSVPs right now. We'll see how many we get and we'll go somewhere based on that. Yeah. And I am doing the same down in the tech center. 
Uh, so let me know if you're interested in, in coming. It looks like we're going to go to Burt Inn's Barbecue down in DTC. So it should be good. So those aren't on the calendar, a little bit less formal. Uh, but we have next on the calendar, also on the 7th, we have the National Cybersecurity Center doing the Cybersecurity Simplified event. On the 10th and 11th of August, uh, CSA is doing a CCSK training. Um, on the 14th, we have SecureSet doing the Career Conversations with Ruben Booker, who we just mentioned. On August 14th and 15th, ISSA Denver is doing their August chapter meetings. On the 15th as well, we have the CTA doing their General Assembly at Rhino. On the 16th, SecureSet is doing one of their expert series, uh, Cordy, Cody Cornell, who is the CEO of Swimlane. That actually takes us to the end of our, of our events there. Let's go ahead and jump over to jobs. Um, we have a job from Cognizant, which is the Director of Cloud Security and Operations up in their north office, I think in the Broomfield area. Uh, Pinkerton is hiring a security manager. Uh, Comcast is hiring a security investigator. Alterix is looking for an application security engineer. Sunrun, who does uh, solar energy, is hiring a senior information security analyst. IntelliSecure is looking for a security platform engineer for SIM. And, you know, IntelliSecure is a local company doing managed services around DLP and SIM. So I assume you'd be working on one of their product side stuff. Digital Globe is hiring an industrial security analyst lead. Ibotta is looking for an IT security analyst. Now, Ibotta is one of those up-and-coming tech companies here in town. They do sort of coupon-y stuff, right? Yeah, I think you basically take a picture of your receipt, whatever you bought, and you get some kind of points or something. I know that they are, they're growing like crazy. It's going to be an opportunity to work at a, at a tech company that you know, expects at some point they're going to have a really nice exit and might be fun to be a part of. Uh, Jeffco Public Schools is looking for an analyst of information security. And finally, Aero Electronics is hiring a communications specialist focused on security. Nice. That's somebody looking to do security education and awareness yeah. inside of Aero. Uh, it's the kind of thing that I think all of our companies could use. I know I'd love to have someone like that over at Ping. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Okay, well, that takes us to the end of the news. Next, we have our feature interview with uh, Brad Busey. Ba Brad was the co-host a couple of months ago, and he, he runs security services over at Trace3 here in town. We had a good talk about how he got where he is and, and what's coming next. Sounds good. All right, well, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rob. Right, see you. This is David McGuire, uh, Director of IT Security at QEP Resources. This is Colorado Equals Security. For Colorado security professionals, by Colorado security professionals. All right, this is Rob Reck, and today I'm sitting with Brad Busey. Brad, uh, we get to talk, learn a little bit about you here today, have a, a fun time helping the, the community get to know what you do. But the first thing I want to do is I want to start talking about something that you do that's not quite so well known. Talk to me about your writing. What kind of writing do you do? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that not a lot of people know is I write science fiction and fantasy and have done that since I was very young. I'd say my first published story was to a magazine back when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. And and so since then, you've been just developing your writing and, and what kind of... Uh, um, what, what have you written so far? So I'm on my third book, and my plan is that I'm going to release them after editing in about a three to four month period between books. Hmm. So I'm, I'm very much wanting to not do what, you know, the, uh, the whole Game of Thrones thing is going through, <laughs> yeah. where basically people are left waiting for me to finish something, and I'm taking my dear yeah. old sweet time. So I'm going to try to get, it's going to be four books, get those all written and then release them. 
do you ever uh you're a wheel of fan or wheel of time um reader yes. yeah so the robert robert jordan it's one of the you know one of the most well-known fantasy series out there and he ended up passing away unfortunately before he finished the series uh for fortunately for those of us who only experienced him through the books he left notes and and like a, a plan for a co-author to to finish the series for us yeah and brandon sanderson he's an amazing writer yeah and his other series are great and i think he did complete justice yeah. to to his work to yeah. robert's work he did a good job uh, but to your point like it's uh, now as a reader i never start a series that's not done because i don't want to put myself in that situation where i'm either waiting for it or um or i forget right like you have to go reread the books in order to enjoy the next one so i just i just wait till it's done and if it's never done then i'm never going to read it. it it's our netflix culture now people yeah. love to binge and they want to make sure that things are done i mean i think the only person who's really successful right now in doing that is joel McHale and his show on netflix he does it weekly uh, it's every Sunday and it's one of those things where you're kind of waiting for it. And huh. it's a little strange for Netflix to be doing something like this, but check it out. I mean, he's a little crass. What's the show called? Uh, I think it's, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's something with Joel McHale and it's very similar to the soup series that he did forever. Hmm. But now Netflix picked it up and he can swear a little extra <laughs> and talk about some, some topics, but he has guest appearances from from people they just show up and it's it's really well done and funny and it's more of the same yeah. but i was kind of missing that but but anyway i, I digress so so let's uh get i'm gonna pin you down on some dates here when are you gonna finish your series and when are you gonna publish so let's be somewhat vague i would say 2019 is a is a pretty safe bet to see the first book well that's pretty that's pretty uh aggressive that's you know we're not too far off from that. Not not too far, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, I do a lot of my writing when I'm traveling. Yeah, and you'll find me on an airplane, and it's interesting because depending on who's sitting next to me, it, it's it's an interesting experience when I'm writing, and everybody does this. Everybody kind of peeks over and yeah. sees what somebody's doing, and I had oh I don't know he was a, he must have been a high schooler, and he you could see him reading over my shoulder. And then he would he would look at me, and then he'd look back at the at the writing, and then he'd look back at me again. And I couldn't tell if he was like, "Dude, this is horrible," or if he, <laughs> or if he was like, "I'm watching a masterpiece in, in creation." Or anywhere in between. Right? Anywhere in between. Yeah, oh, pretty cool. So, uh, are you planning to do self publishing with Amazon, or do you, what's your plan? I feel <coughs> I feel most comfortable self publishing. I think where we are today with technology, it, it really makes the most sense for what I'm trying to do. Granted, if I go back to being a boy and, and really thinking about this when I was in seventh grade, it was always my my dream to send it to a bunch of different publishers and get picked up and, and right. do all of that. But I think the technologist in me now is is very focused on the like the Kindle platform. It's just hmm. so easy. I mean, I've got it loaded up. I've already taken my first book and, and put it in the simulation to yeah. see what it would look like. And it's impressive. It's it's just the marketing side of things, which could right. be a challenge. Well, if you're trying to make money, I don't know if you are or not, but if you're trying to make money, then then you know having a publisher to help get it into bookstores and, 
uh, that that would help, right? I'd be silly if I said I wasn't interested yeah. in the money side of it. It, I think, by writing everything in advance, I'm taking some of that out of the equation because hmm. I think you lose some of your magic when you start doing something just for money. So, I, my hope is that because once once it's on Kindle, you can't can't go back hmm. that's that's the, the what do you kicker. mean you can't go back so once it's published you can't then take it to another publisher that that book essentially i could take maybe the second book yeah and have tor or somebody else grab it but once it's published on kindle it's it's theirs yeah so uh, before we move on to security just give us a little taste what kind of book series are you writing so i'm writing a blend of science fiction and fantasy, which you don't see very often. So think of it as the book starts, the book and the series start very much sci-fi. And Fu- then futuristic outer space. Futuristic outer space. Okay. We, we leave Earth okay. uh, because we have to. I won't spoil it why, but yeah. basically we settle somewhere else. And then that's where things really go south. And then that's where you fall more into the, the fantasy side of things just because trying to survive technology is hmm. not really working out the way that it should. And then you get a real blend where technology almost becomes a religion. Hmm. You have a very select few that control the information, the ship that's still orbiting. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's interesting because you have a, a villain who is throughout all of the books, even though they, they take, several hundred if not a thousand years Hmm. so it's this one kind of evil character that it's it's a it's a story about trying to redeem that person throughout Hmm. and then as you my plan is as you get to the end of the the series it becomes sci-fi again because we we try to go back to earth because we left because of a catastrophic event and now we want to go back and see did we make it did anybody make it right well, very cool. That's great. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we go ahead and change topic a little bit? Sure. Um, where are you from? So I am from Colorado. I, I say that because we moved here when I was five. But okay. if we got to get technical, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But where did you grow up in Colorado? Grew up in Elizabeth. Okay. Elizabeth, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, did you end up leaving for college or stick around here? Or what, what, what was your... So I had a very interesting college experience i went to unc so university of northern colorado greeley you're a bear i was a bear i was there for two years it was a a two-year period where i was trying to figure out what i wanted to be when i grew up so i went of all things to be a journalist Hmm. and i remember distinctly my first journalism class and we're going to go back to money here again where the instructor was saying basically one of you and this is a large lecture hall in this class is going to make it the rest of you are not and all of you that are are thinking your writing is great it probably isn't just from from her experience yeah and she said if if it's not a a passion you should do something else so i was sitting there going well i like computers (laughs) and that is when really everything changed. I, I ended up leaving school and getting a job instead because it, it kind of shook me as far as I really don't know what I want to do. Yeah. So I left I left university, started working, 
on uh, credit card terminals of all things mm. in in tech support. And that's really what sparked me to action and said, you know what, I gotta, I, I need to get in to what my second passion is. And that ended up being, you know, help, help desk slash computers, systems administration, and then ultimately security. Yeah. So how, how did you end up going from, you know, working tech support for uh, credit card terminals to, to getting into security? It's a pretty, pretty long road from there. Someone took a chance on me and they, they saw that I was able to, to troubleshoot. They gave me a, a pretty fair interview and I had been a, a tinkerer forever. I mean, I back, let's see, this was like 92. I had a bulletin board system mm-hmm. for, for those of you that are a little old school, you know, I had people dialing up to my modem, playing door games. Uh, this was like pre email yeah. where I was a relay for emails and things. So I just had a passion uh, for for computers, for like the pre-internet. And I think that that really helped me uh, be able to just talk about how do you put a system together? I'd built a bunch of systems. My father owned his own computer company from the time I was I was very young. He was an IBM business partner. So I'd go back in his warehouse and put together 286s, 386s. So I just, I had a pretty varied background and this company w- was great let me take gave me a job on their help desk and really that was the catalyst that got everything started and that's when i went back to school hmm. so i i did things pretty backwards and went to say what you will about an online school but i went to university of phoenix and when was this this was in 2002 2003 okay. yeah got my undergrad in information system security it was i think it was like the first year they had offered Hmm. security i'd always been interested in how things worked how things were put together but ultimately how to secure them and that comes back to a story i I can tell you about me being a kid and trying my hand at quote-unquote hacking okay uh, creating a credit card generator wow and essentially, I didn't use it, but one of my friends used it, and he ended up getting in, in trouble. And his parents had to pay quite a bit of money because we were what we were doing is we were buying time for games. So, so back, how are you? What do you mean you were creating a credit card generator? What, how did you do that? So this was back when there were batching systems mainly. So as long as you could create a number. It, like a Visa or a MasterCard. Yeah. It had the, the right first numbers. It had the right numbers in the middle. And it yeah. had the random sequence at the end. There were no real checks and balances mm. until it went through and, and batched. Yeah. So think of it as he bought time on five or six different bulletin boards. And then when they went to batch, yeah. that's when it would fail. So it would essentially check and see, is this credit card number good? No, it wasn't. But you still got the time. Right. They gave you the time immediately. Yeah. So he did. we did this for you know a week or two. And eventually it, it all caught back up as you know, this one account is buying this time. And it cost the person several hundred dollars. So his parents had to pay it back. Hmm. But that one event 
really kind of set things in motion for me to want to to not be on the the bad side of it, but to catch yeah. those those kinds of things. So you know, two th- early two thousands, you went you were doing help desk for an enterprise or enterprise. That, what co- kind of company were we talking about? Construction okay. of all things. They had a a pretty large. It, I'd say five or six different states. So I was, you know, just typical installing systems and then helped them implement Active Directory. So slowly got more into systems administration over like three or four years. Yeah. And while you were there, you were going to University of Phoenix and got your degree. Correct. And so when you were, after you got your degree, was it time to change from doing sysadmin or, or did you keep doing it there or what, what's next? So then I moved on to, it's a, it's a club business where it was like boating and RVs mm. and camping. So they had a, a, a pretty large magazine subscription and subscription for basically when you take your RV to a campsite, you want to make sure it has some amenities and, and basically they had a directory hmm. and they had to kind of like a KOA sure had to meet certain standards. So went over, went over there. Uh, I was just kind of, I was kind of jumping around looking for something, not really sure what that was. I think, I think I was searching for that next step in my career. So what, what was your job at this new place? So new place was systems network, and essentially, I was in charge of a large bank of IIS servers hmm. and essentially did help desk for the first year that I was there uh, just because it was a role where it was both sysadmin and help desk. Then I convinced them, you know what, we need a full time help desk person and then was doing application servers, Active Directory, some light database administration and then started to secure the IIS servers. I had a cold fusion backend. And I think that's when everything started to click. Like, I like this, this security thing. Yeah. And that's what led me to my next job, which I think set me off on my career, which was a security analyst for NORAD and U.S. Northern Command. Wow. So I got, they took again, See, but no military background. No. How, so how do you get a job at NORAD? So at that uh, point? interesting. Again, someone took a chance on me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on taking chances on people just because it really helped me, but they helped sponsor me to get my secret clearance. Hmm. So I was a contractor working at us Northern command ended up at, it's kind of a joint command. So ended up at NORAD. It's Cheyenne Mountain. Cheyenne Mountain yeah. and then Peterson Air Force Base. Okay. So I was building, they call it Building 2, and was there for a number of years just learning everything that I could. Went from a team lead to a manager. That's when I got really into virtualization and into applications. So they had Quest software deployed. So they had Active Role Server. They had Change Auditor. They had Intrust. So a lot of things that maybe sound familiar, but essentially that that really, again, got me interested in something a little different. Uh, and that's because the we called them the, the Quest guys. So the Quest software came in and they were like, this stuff 
wasn't even being used last time we were here. And I implemented, you know, a, a firewall around Active Directory, essentially with, with Active Role Server. Hmm. So they were very interested because it was much more secure. We didn't have any central logging when I got there. Yeah. So Intrust and Change Auditor really gave us a view into the network. And, you're, you know, you're thinking, Department of Defense, this has got to be just super secure. Yes and no. I mean, you've got your classified network. You've got your unclassified network. So this was an interesting period of time of just implementing controls that were coming down from from DISA, yeah, which which is the defense <clears throat> intelligence, and they were essentially saying, "Here's the things that you need to do," and a lot of the contractors were puzzled about how to implement them. So it just made sense to me, yeah, and, and I started doing that. But long story short. Quest software was like, Hey, you know, maybe when this contract is over, why don't you come work for us? Hmm. And that's really when I got into sales engineering. Interesting. So that was your, that was your move from practitioner to the dark side. Absolutely. About what year is this? This was 2011. When did Dell buy Quest software? 2015 ish. I want to say. All right. Yeah, I had I had some good years yeah. of of Quest software, and it may have been 2014 when is, when Dell. It was it was a long courtship. Were, were you there for for that long? Were you there when when Dell bought them? Yeah. Talk to me about what's it like to to work for Quest Software as a you know as a, a standalone, and then and then when they were part of Dell. It was great, and I'll and I'll <laughs> I'll put that in in air quotes. It was great yeah. when we were a private company. There were very firm leaders in place that believed what they believed. We had a great culture. Things yeah. were things were really moving forward. And then when you get acquired by a very large company with 100,000 plus employees, everything changed. Mm. The the culture really got stepped on. It was a hardware company coming in trying to figure out how to run a software business. Right. One one thing that happened that I think really messed things up is that all of the founders and the board of quest software they essentially took the package and left so with their departure the vision the leadership all of that really fell apart so there's there's a lot to be said about leaders of organizations and during an acquisition if you can hold on to those founders do it because Mm -hmm. i've been through the opposite side of things and it's it's difficult for a culture to survive and ultimately you can see what happened they ended up divesting quest software and it ended up getting they go ipo with it eventually they tried okay but it it was taken private again by an equity firm Hmm. so now they're they're doing some interesting things trying to combine their getting rid of parts of the business. It's just, it's unrecognizable yeah. as the company that I, that I was there for. So how long were you there? I was there for almost six years. So just 2016, 2017, you left something. So like it that? was, uh, let's see, 11. So I left in 15. Okay. And and what was your next step after that? So then I, I decided I'd like to see how the sauce is made. So I went to become a product manager. So I was a director of product management for a software company. And it was a security software company. It's, think of it like 
data governance, some Active Directory security, similar product line to Quest software. Who, just, who is it? Is it someone we don't know? No, you know, I think you probably know them. Stealth Bits. Okay, Stealth Bits. Yeah. And where are they headquartered? They're in New Jersey. Okay. But I'll I'll credit Stealth Bits to really helping me find my voice with blogging, with mm. you know talking to the media, doing podcasts like this, yeah. and and really just solidifying my vision of like this is this is really what I like to do. So sure. it was an interesting time because the product management side of things was was fun, but I missed dealing with customers. Hmm. That was that was the hardest thing for me. I had a lot of developers working for me. And I'd maybe talk to a customer on occasion, but they were typically not happy with, with a feature or they had yeah. been asking for something for a while. I had to learn a lot about agile development. And granted, it, it's helped round me out, but it was, it was, an, it was an interesting couple of years. Hmm. And, and so you, you were there for two years. And yeah. what, made, what was your impetus for moving on? So I decided after a time that because I missed customers mm-hmm. to, to that point, I wanted to start my own thing. Hmm. So I decided I'm getting back into consulting. I'm starting my own business. And I turned in my notice and opened my own consulting company, hmm. which lasted all of three months because started working with Trace3. And we were looking at a couple of different projects. And it was, it was exciting and then I talked to, at the time, the vice president of security. He's like, hey, I'm building a security organization. And why don't you come and help me build it? Yeah. You know, I'll give you all the support you need. I'll, you basically can do what you're doing now, but you have the backing of a very large company. Right. So after a very short courtship, because my boss now, he, he's been promoted to the SVP of consulting. He's a very uh, influential man. He is, he's literally a rock star. Hmm. He, uh, he was in a rock band yeah. and decided that he needed to have a, more of like a, a, something stable for his family. So he got into consulting yeah. instead of going out on the road. Uh, but he's just got such a compelling, stellar personality that before I knew it, I was quote unquote acquired yeah. and, and working for him. Awesome. Well, that's great. So, so what's your role at Tracery? So I'm a managing principal of security strategy. So you'll hear me say I'm a, a principal security strategist. So think of it as a blend of pre-sales architecture and strategy. Yeah. So really I go into organizations that are asking the question of what should we be doing from a security standpoint? We all know security is very broad. So yeah. it, there's there's points where in in the maturity model of security they're struggling to figure out well what we know what regulatory compliance is telling us to do we know maybe what our board is asking us to do what should we really be doing mm-hmm. what what are the big big picture questions you ask to come up with those answers i assume that there's uh, you know there's more than just them asking you you have to kind of turn it back on them so what kind of questions are you going to ask the industry so Typically, I'll turn it around and just ask some basic questions about, like, what are you doing from an identity and access management perspective? Mm -hmm. Being being from Ping, I think you can definitely appreciate that. 
like uh, what is your data security right. look like today? Things like uh, security operations. What are you doing from a security operations perspective? Uh, overall strategy, you know, looking at the consultative approach, like you're like you're saying, just asking some of those basic questions. When yeah. was the last time you were audited? What are the what are the things? So I'm I'm very much about identifying pain points. So like what what honestly keeps you up at night? And I know that's cliche. But for for a lot of these organizations, there's some things that they're that they're super worried about. And mm-hmm. it's just helping them identify the pain so they can get well. Yeah. So talk about your team. I know you spend a good amount of time out with customers, but you have a, a good sized team as well. So what kind of services do you guys offer? Yeah. So in in those same veins of identity management, data security, security operations, so we not only do the consulting and strategy side, but we'll come in and do implementation. Mm-hmm. So we have partners. Uh, Ping is a great partner of ours. We have uh, we have SailPoint for certain things, Okta. So we'll come in and and do deployments of a wide range of technology, or come in and do vulnerability assessments. So that's something that's been been pretty hot recently just with a lot of the data breaches that have been happening. Everyone just wants to know, how are we doing? Do we have an unpatched web server that we don't know about? Uh, You'll see a lot of customers, they've got something like Qualys, but they just want us to come in and have a second set of eyes. And like nine times out of 10, we find systems that aren't even being discovered. Mm. We find they've, they've acquired a company and they think that they've shuttered all of the systems. They haven't been being patched. They still have customer data. There's been some breaches recently around those kinds of situations. We've actually found those kinds of things with <clears throat> with some of our customers. So how big is the team at this point? So we're up to, so when I started, there were six of us. Now we're at about 30, 30 people. It's a lot of growth. A lot of growth. And as a managing principal now, my team, by the end of the year, I'll have three principals working for me and then we'll have what i call like the we we call it the fat middle bench Hmm. it's it's basically you know three three ish to four ish years of experience and really taking a chance on those kinds of people taking them under our wing and and really training them up so my model is having a very experienced principal doing 20 to 30 percent of an engagement and then you have this middle bench that's being mentored and learning from the principal and applying the principles. I'm just looking for for really just smart people that can troubleshoot, yeah. take direction, show well in front of a customer. You know, those are those are some important things. Being technical is is important, but some of that can be taught. Yeah. It's the personality thing that is just so difficult in our line of work to to find that blend i think we were talking about that earlier finding that so often you'll hear them referred to as unicorns somebody that's very very apt and understands technology but then can also give a presentation or stand in front of someone like you like like a CISO of an organization and not freeze Hmm. i see that i see that happen a lot where they just get over intimidated Hmm. and they're unable to to communicate effectively. So if you're, you know, take that a little further, if you have advice for folks who, 
you know, are, are looking to make a, a change into security, or maybe they're just about to graduate with a security degree or from some kind of security training. Uh, what, what advice do you have for them to really get into the industry? I'd say work on your soft skills in a lot of ways. I would say blend and, and balance yourself because you can be super smart and, and have picked up a lot in school and understand security at a deep level. But if you can't interview and you can't hold a conversation with somebody, those skills don't really do you much good. So if you are still in school, take, a, take some kind of a speech class. That, mm. That's something that helped me out enormously when I was younger. I, I remember that speech class that they, they hammered away the ums and mm. the uhs and the awkward pauses. Rehearse. Listen to yourself. Yeah. That, that, you know, I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast and beat myself up, I'm sure, because I'm going to go, why, why did I say that? Or why didn't I say that? Or, man, I said, you know, like 150 times. That's, that is my tick, by the way, you know. Yeah. And just preparation is, is incredibly important. So preparing for that interview, you know, takes, you know, there you go, you know. Just try, try to find that rounded balance of, of the technology and the soft skills. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what about advice you have for folks like me, CISOs in the community? Where, where are some common areas that you've seen for improvement that folks can, can learn from? Well, I think, I think you do it pretty, pretty good compared to some of the other CISOs that I've met and that I work with where you're real good about networking with other CISOs and I think learning what they're doing, that would be, that would be some advice that I'd, that I'd have if you're listening to this. Don't, don't like surround yourself in that glass prison and pretend like you know everything there is to know about security. I don't, I don't think many of the CISOs listening to your podcast are, are that way because we all know you. Because we're listening, right? <laughs> if you're listening, you're learning. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. Never stop learning. You, you should be a lifelong learner, hmm. especially in security. There is no done when it comes to our craft. I mean, you, you really have to continuously consume and learn from each other, even if it's not in the same industry. I think you can learn a lot by what's happening in fintech, what's happening in healthcare. And that's that's something that's that's pretty important is just sharing and having that tribal knowledge, not just from a company perspective, but from security overall. Yeah. I think we need to share more. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another question for you, get your take on something that the Colorado community, obviously, you know, you've, you've been here for most of your life. Um, What's the Colorado security community been like for you and how have you gotten engaged? And for those who aren't very well engaged, what, what do you recommend for them? So having lived here for a long time, but having in the last couple of years worked other places, like comparing what we have going on to something like Silicon Valley, hmm. you know, I'd say we're still a little behind the curve as far as just what what the private equity investors and what like the venture capitalists are doing, where they're putting their money. I think we could learn a little bit about that, like uh, attending things like VC briefings from some of these larger mm. firms, because 
I think they're actually helping to shape some of the some of the technology and and security that we are consuming. So like artificial intelligence, you know, that's kind of a, a buzzword recently, machine learning. Like, wh- but what does that actually mean? What's really happening with that? Why are these these companies putting money into it? How are these startups being found? Uh, I think we've got some some interesting startups here locally, but I don't think we have enough. I think to really compete, we need we need more, and people can't just think, well, we have to go to the bay hmm. in order to get our startup funded and in order to to do that because I think you're in too much of a microcosm when you do that you have not enough innovation really happening so i'd like to see more of that from a from a denver perspective more you know more things like more companies like protectwise yeah you know more organizations that they come here maybe a little lower cost of living maybe a little i'd say broader pool of talent because the talent's here I, I think it is. It it may be a little younger and you know, you don't have as many people like you do in San Francisco where they're just like, Yes, this is the place to be. I'm moving there because I want to be super successful. I think we need to help foster a little more innovation here locally. I'm not sure I'd love to know what how do we do that? How do we help get that innovation? Because we do have, you know, a good number of startups. Um from very, very mature ones, you know, that are no longer startups. You've got the, the logarithms, the pings, optives, uh, Webroot, Coalfire, you know, pretty good sized organizations that started here and have stayed here. Um, and then we have, we have some really tiny ones, but how, how do we, I think we just need more all the way across the board. How do we do that? Any recommendations? I think we need a compelling event. We need mm-hmm. something that's going to pull some of that talent here, mm-hmm. here to Denver. Or we need more programs, like I'm seeing some programs in Douglas County where we're getting kids more involved and and more comfortable with security. So I think, I think we should start in, in two ways. A, trying to attract more talent to the area, and B, seeding and developing and growing some of the talent here locally because... You know, I don't think there is a bad idea. I think people here need to need to experiment. They need to to look at at problems and how to solve those problems. So I think either through something like ISSA, and and you do this to a certain extent, but having more focus on these young people and bringing them up, because if I, th- I think if we don't do that. There's going to be such a shortfall, and we've all read this the right. statistics. By 2019, 2020, there's going to be a, a massive fallout. Yeah, 1.8 million jobs open. Yeah. So we're going to need to depend on things like AI, machine learning. And that's going to – my fear, though, is that's going to get rid of too many of the Tier 1 kind of jobs. Hmm. So then there's not going to be that upward mobility and learning to get you to the Tier 3 kind of analyst. So I think it's an education – problem and we need more programs and and just getting those young people interested it seems like what we really need is to show that career path because what what you don't want is let's show the the ideal you know here here's what you can be you can go be mr robot or you can go be the CISO for western union or you know those those destinations without understanding how do you get from 
I'm a high school junior to being one of those positions. I think it's you're not giving them many favors, right? But if we can show, you know, here are 10 different destinations and here are 10 career paths that can get you to those, you know, change it as it makes sense for you. But having that as a starting point makes a big difference. I know the Women in Security Group has been talking about, I think basically putting together kind of a quiz where you, you talk about what you're interested in, what your aptitudes are, and it tells you which security fields are a good fit for you. I don't care what your skill set is, there is a security job that's a fit for you. You're a people person, maybe you're a security awareness trainer. You're, you know, you don't want to ever talk to another person, maybe you're, you know, you're doing scripting on the back end, right? Or you're hacking into stuff. There's all those different paths. Um, and we just have to show people how to get there. I totally agree with you. And I think it's funny while you were, while you were saying that, I think of how many people have taken one of those quizzes, like what, what Star Wars character right. am I, or what D and D character am I? And that's maybe just my, my the sci-fi thing, right? same yeah. thing. But if we're willing to spend time to create something like that, how about creating something that's useful from a security perspective that helps them yeah. a here's, here's where your raw materials would take you. And then here's the five steps towards that, that end state. I think that's a great idea. And can't you, and couldn't you say, and here's a mentor who's done it, who would be happy to come answer questions about it. If you, if you partner all of those things together and that's, that's all it takes to be successful. Right. Right. And there's a, there's a small nonprofit group out of Nevada and I don't know if I can say the name, but I'm a mentor for, for them. So I, they have a Slack channel and I sit in that Slack channel and I watch all of these up and comers in school and they're asking questions like, what should I do? Where am I going? Most common asked question is what certifications hmm. should I take? And, you know, it's one of those things where having that trajectory, like, well, where do you want to be? What would you right. like to do? Well, if you're going to be an auditor, you should take these. Yeah. If you want a good blend, then then you should take these. If you want to be a hacker yeah. or a cracker, you know, take the, the certified ethical hacker. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, you know, kind of coming to the end of our time here, do you have any final topics you'd like us to go through or, or words of wisdom for the listeners? Words of wisdom. I mean, I think I touched on it a little bit, but I would say never, never stop learning. Yeah, it, It's one of those things where if it's a podcast like this, if it's just picking up a, a good business book, granted, I, I still try to be very technical and, and security is my passion. There's things that I've learned from people like, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss, uh, right. listening to his podcast, reading uh, Tools of Titans, and and just picking up little nuggets of wisdom. I think just help round you out as a person, and and really just help the security community overall. So I would urge you just just keep learning. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brad. Appreciate your time. Glad to get to hear from you as the, and I'd call you the head of the security practice for Trace3 here in Colorado, uh, one of the larger uh, companies here for us. Uh, It's good to get to connect and we'll look forward to talking to you soon in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.